Hi, and welcome to another edition of Soul Food. This is once again Eli from the future, and you're about to listen to the second half of a conversation that we began last week on how worship unifies a church. If you did not catch part one, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that right now before you listen to this one. But assuming that you have, we're about to start. Get ready for a great conversation. And he deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. And so for me, the practicality of our worship is him. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just have church and celebrate a God that looks beyond our faults and meets our needs. So you know. That's right. And so that and, and that God that we worship um, not only commands certain things that we do in worship. I, we could say that God commands us to read scripture. He commands us to pray. Mm-hmm. And but, sing but, and praise and all that. But And that's true. But those things are also gifts right. that we get to enjoy. And so um, first thing that unifies us is one, just the object is who mm-hmm. we're worshiping. But getting into kind of the nitty gritty details and what he's given us to worship him through um, Let's start with a really basic one, prayer. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter what kind of church you go into, you're going to see people pray. That's going to be part of the worship mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. So how does prayer unify us? Well, let me, let me, if, if it's, uh, let me do a shameless plug, if you will. Mm-hmm. If, if people uh, listen to this who were not a part of our worship setting on Sunday morning, I would admonish you when we upload complete in him to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Because prayer... Mm-hmm brings us to our original purpose, which is fellowship with God. Mm -hmm. It allows us communion Mm -hmm. with the one that made us. Mm -hmm. And so to not pray Mm -hmm. is to try to live your life without consulting the one Mm -hmm. that breathed into you the breath of life and animated your very existence. Mm -hmm. So prayer in and of itself is what we do. It Mm -hmm. is how we talk to God. and, And just as a point of reference, prayers have aspirations. Now, I'm going to take this somewhere. So when we talk about worship, prayers have aspirations. However, those aspirations and a sense, you know, what we hope to get out of prayer should reflect the heart of God Mm -hmm. for the person and the people they impact daily. Mm -hmm. So while our prayer is fellowship with God, it's also a communion with God with the intent to be empowered Mm -hmm. to live the life we live for him and for our fellow person. So it's twofold. Mm-hmm. So worship is this communion with God, and it's also an opportunity to hear what God says so I can be proper communion and fellowship with my fellow person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so read, just to read some scripture here, but 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5 says this. says, First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Everyone. For kings and all those in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. So first of all, prayer is being commanded. Yes, sir. Right. Absolutely. God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Um, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. And so that one mediator thing brings the unity piece to it because you and I are not praying to different people. No, sir. I don't have special access and you don't have special access. We all come to God regardless of our privileges or lack thereof on equal grounds when we, we, when we pray. You know, as they say, the, foot is the, or the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? Same thing in prayer. And so, you know, prayer teaches us to be unified. I also think in Acts 4, you know, after, um, you know, the church was experiencing its first bout of, of persecution, they get together and they pray 
and the spirit enables them to speak the word with boldness. Boldness. And so not only was it a unity thing, but it was just enabling them to, to be what a church is supposed to be in, in the first place. So one, it's not just like this practice where we all come to God and we pray together, but that as we pray, God responds and enables us to be unified, to be the church he wants us to be. Yeah. It, It helps us to not be antagonistic. Yeah. To God and each other. Yeah. Because you can't pray you can't pray to God about what's going on with your fellow man and not be infected by what's wrong with you in mm-hmm. the same process. That's right. That's right. So second thing we have first of all, we had the object of our worship, we had um, our prayers unify us. Third thing is, you know, preaching of the word. Hmm. I, I hope <laughs> that in every church you go to, in every real church you go to, you're gonna hear the word read and preached. Mm-hmm. Um so how does preaching unify us? Well, once again. Mm-hmm. And I know every time you say something, man, mm-hmm. I throw I throw a curveball out there. Mm-hmm. But preaching should unify us, as I said when we began this journey. Mm-hmm. But once again, depending on the theological slant that a person was reared under, mm-hmm. determines how they hear preaching and what they consider preaching to be. Mm-hmm. Preaching should unify us because it is centered on the finished and ongoing work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. However, If a person has particular beliefs as relates to what the word of God says about a given subject, Mm -hmm. rather than the preaching acting as a unifying agent, it Mm -hmm. can become a point of contention, Mm -hmm. a point of contention. Mm -hmm. And once again, Mm -hmm. it really comes down to the idea of what we submit to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I oftentimes hear people say, well, my vertical relationship is great. I'm I'm good with God. But they forget the cross has another beam on it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just vertical, but it's Mm -hmm. it's horizontal. So if indeed preaching is done properly, mm-hmm. it should hold us accountable, mm-hmm. not just to what Christ has done for us, but what, but our responsibility from Christ to each other. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what helps to unify the body because God has given the commands in his word, mm-hmm. right? But the question is, how do we act those commands out among, our, among each other? Mm-hmm. And depending on how we feel, feel on a given day, Mm-hmm. determines how hard we're working to be in fellowship with our brother and sister. Right. We, uh, yeah, and I, with that, the whole thing, is, the whole issue here is just that the word unifies us because really pre- preaching should not be the pastor spouting off his opinions on things. Nope. It should be him handling the word. That's right. That's right. And so when we all sit and we hear the word preached, you know, regardless of what that looks like in our context, we're gathering under one authority. That's right. The that word is God's word. word. That's right. And we're recognizing that what is being said is binding on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even then, you know. And key word to what you said, brother Eli, is binding. Right. It's not optional. It's not optional. It's mm-hmm. binding. Right. So that means whatever issue you have, whatever mm-hmm. you feel or think about a given thing, mm-hmm. comes under the submission and authority mm-hmm. of God's word. Mm-hmm. E- e- even if it rubs you absolutely the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because we are under, under a binding covenant, by virtue of that, we are charged to unify. That's what makes us the army of God. And I can say as a preacher, there are issues about which I disagree with other believers. You know, we could take, for example, a Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of disagreements with the Roman Catholic Church. And so in the course of teaching Scripture, those things come up because I disagree on the way that they handle scripture. However, what no Christian should be in disagreement over 
is how the word teaches us to treat one another. Treat one another. And so even in times where it is necessary to sort of wade into controversy and, and, and speak the truth as best as you know how, there's a way to do that that shows respect and love towards your Christian and brothers and sisters who don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. So that even as you're, you're trying to speak the truth, you're not doing it in a way that is overly hurtful and, and divisive. You know, there, there's a way to handle that right. Some, some preachers are just bullies. Yeah. And I mean, just to be blunt. Yeah. And yeah. The, mm-hmm. question, the question is, why mm-hmm. should we be kind? What is, what is the pragmatism of that? That's, I mean, yeah. I mean the well, I mean the Bible tells us to, and it tells us to because that's who Jesus is. That's Without God's Je- kindness, would none of us be? Here. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and what it does is reflect the kindness we've received, so that it creates space and room for the story of redemption to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And out of that, we find reconciliation. We find mm-hmm. this whole idea of um, of kinship and family. Mm-hmm. That we, as a worshiping body, right, mm-hmm. of Christians, oftentimes forsake mm-hmm. in the face of our preferences and our proclivities, as I said just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't work hard enough, Brother Eli, mm-hmm. at being the body of Christ because we're busy talking about how we feel mm-hmm. rather than what God has commanded us to do and be. That's right. And that's what, you know, that's the thing, like regardless of... When we come, when we gather on Sunday morning, there'll be Methodist and Presbyterian and all these other churches gathering, and we hold some differences. Absolutely. But what we can unify is that that book that we open up and read and preach out of is the authority for all of us, regardless. Even if we may disagree in some ways on on exactly the interpretation of it, that's right. We recognize there's something special about that book. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so moving on to that, from that as well. Another thing that you're going to see in, in pretty much all Christian churches are songs. Um, we're going to get together and we are going to sing songs. Um, so how do songs unify us? Well, songs unify us through the shared struggle of our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, as we engage in adoration and praise before God. Mm-hmm. They speak from the soul that which words sometimes can't say. Mm-hmm. And just for the record, each generation has their style and perspective of song choice. Mm-hmm. No two generations like the same kind of worship songs. You know, uh, however, songs from one generation can empower and, strength- and strengthen another. Also, some songs are not, power- are not powerful to a particular generation until that generation faces certain hardships then songs that strengthen one generation can do the same for another. And so the struggle in the worship context is to find songs that marry our shared struggle as humanity while educating each generation Mm -hmm. to their likes, dislikes, as well as preferences, Mm -hmm. all while, Mm -hmm. all while representing the honoring God, Mm -hmm. which can be a difficult task. Mm -hmm. It can be a difficult task. Yeah, in Colossians 3.16, Paul says that we should uh, use, uh, I'm trying to get the order right, psalms, hymns, and And spiritual spiritual songs, songs, Mm -hmm. which is really just three different kinds of of music. But it is interesting that there's diversity even in the list there. Yeah. You know, and so good music did not stop being written some year in the past. No. It's still being written. Now, there are some songs that pass under a Christian label that are really bad, and I wouldn't (laughs) recommend that you sing them, but... uh, that doesn't mean that everything that's new is bad or everything that's old is bad. 
Um, and it doesn't mean that you should sing everything in your church because some stuff just don't work. Yeah, some, um, some things just don't work for your church. Right. <laughs> but but that doesn't mean that it's bad. And so, you know, I, I think that song, one of the cool things about musical worship and that part of the worship service is that when we gather under the preached word, we are through the preacher hearing God speak to us. Um, and now there's a way that a congregation participates in that and is active in that. It's not a totally passive thing, but it, it is somewhat passive in that you're listening mostly. But when we sing, the whole church has a voice together saying one thing. I mean, that's what songs enable us to do. They enable us to speak together. And so on one hand, that gives us an opportunity to praise God with one voice. But on the other hand, too, we're, we're every bit as much also singing to each other to encourage each other. And so I, I've hammered this point before that I'm well aware that before lunchtime, if I'm preaching, most people have forgotten everything that I've said. <laughs> you know, that that is the curse of being a preacher. People don't remember what you say. But people remember those songs. Oh, they remember that music. I mean, you, you can go, I mean, it's the craziest thing. You can go into a, a retirement home, and those people, so, I mean, you have some people that have Alzheimer's or whatever and can't remember anything. But you play a song on the piano, a hymn or something. And they remember every word of it. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful expression of how powerful these songs are. And so they do something They do something special to us. Churches have always been singing groups. Yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. My, my grandmother in her latter years mm-hmm. um, is part Indian. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I am as well. Mm-hmm. A good portion. Um, my Maria, we call her Maria, her name was Clemmie mm-hmm. Gaston. Mm-hmm. In her latter years, Maria ended up being bedridden mm-hmm. and uh, became, for lack of a better word, as some parents are on children, just because of the way life does what it does. Um, they had to kind of, you know, tend to her. And Maria had forgotten lots of things, mm-hmm. lots of things. Sometimes children, sometimes events. But you could hear Mother do this. She said, and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, may grass, oh, how sweet shall say, oh, like me. That, that, mm-hmm. that right there. In that Indian, African American tone, mm-hmm. had the spirit of God all over it, mm-hmm. because somewhere down deep in her, mm-hmm. while her mind could not remember all of the scriptures and all the sermons and mm-hmm. all the stuff she supposed she could she was supposed to be doing and participating in, she remembered that mm-hmm. grace saved her mm-hmm. and that it changed her life mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. That's the power. Mm-hmm. Those songs and worship, right. and it transcends our tribes. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it. We need to move on, but we're the only creature that makes music. Yeah, and yeah. so there's something uniquely human that God put in us. Yeah. And so when we sing those songs, there's a reason they're powerful. Yeah, you know. But yeah, birds whistle and sing, but not like us. Not like us. No. So very last thing, um, we went through the object of our worship, which is Jesus. 
Uh, we talked about prayers. We talked about preaching the word. We talked about songs. Very last thing would be the sacraments. And I feel very awkward putting this in here because if there's one thing that church people will fight over, mm-hmm. it is the Lord's Supper and baptism. People, mm-hmm. yep, there's, and you know all about it. So let, if the point here is not to talk about our views of baptism and the Lord's Supper and explain why we're right. We're going to kind of whittle it down to the very bare bones to talk about what we all agree on yeah. and how it unifies us. So let, let's start with baptism. What does baptism teach us about unity? Well, baptism reminds us that we are all buried in Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. That water symbolizes, I call it a living grave, that it takes mm-hmm. us down one way mm-hmm. and we come up another. Mm-hmm. That's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And it's the first command. And I tell people this all the time. Um, to say that I'm saved, that I've been led to Christ, or I've called him my Savior, mm-hmm. and you didn't obey the first order mm-hmm. given after you got saved, mm-hmm. is to start your journey in disobedience. Mm-hmm. Because nobody joins the military and tells the commanding officer, I ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Don't nobody <laughs> that, that do don't that. Work. <laughs> that don't work. No. But somehow or another, the context of our experience with Christ, we believe we can say, I'm saved, but I'm not going to be baptized or I'm mm-hmm. going to take my time. It's your first order mm-hmm. by your commanding officer to be baptized. To be baptized. That's right. And listen to what the word says. This is Galatians uh, 3, 27 to 28. It says, for those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Baptism marks a moment from being not yet in God's family to being in God's family. And so it doesn't matter what you look like or anything else. We all get the same water. And it's the same water and it's the same Jesus whose name we're baptized into. One of the things that Paul is furious about in 1 Corinthians is that people keep saying, well, I belong to Cephas and I belong to Paul and I belong da 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 da. And he says, you were not baptized in my name. No, sir. He says, you were baptized in Jesus' name. And so we belong to Jesus and that's what baptism shows. Regardless of the context and what your particular beliefs are on it, we all agree on that much. Yeah. Um, And we're not saying that you have to be baptized to be saved. We're saying that it is a commanded, it is a commanded order Mm -hmm. that once the Lord saves you Mm -hmm. for you to go to that water and be baptized. That's right. And if Jesus was baptized and he was as clean as he can be, Mm -hmm. what make you think Mm -hmm. that you can bypass it? Yep. Mm -hmm. No, sir. I mean, there's something here and we can talk about this another day, but I think that in some ways the sinner's prayer has inappropriately replaced baptism Mm -hmm. because... Mm -hmm. If you read the book of Acts, I mean, just do a search on, you know, your Bible software and look up how many, you know, how many times baptism is used in the New Testament. It's overwhelmingly mostly used in Acts. Yeah. Because every time somebody gets saved, they get baptized. baptized. And when they say, what must we do to be saved? They say, believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized. Be baptized. They don't give them a prayer to pray. No. Now, do I think that it's wrong to say the sinner's prayer? No, absolutely absolutely not. I've led people in it before. I'm not saying that. What matters is that you express your faith in Christ. But the way that you express that faith, he says, is twofold. Mm-hmm. Repent, believe, and be baptized. Be baptized. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, I, gave, I gave three, so I had yeah. one more on yeah. there. But yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That is your entrance into the family. If that is your entrance into the family, then I would say that the Lord's Supper is 
your, your participation in that mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to say that the Lord's Supper is God's family at God's table. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does Lord's Supper unify us? Oh, well, that's probably, I guess, out of all of them, the easiest one mm-hmm. because he's the body and bread. Mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me, his body is bread, blood is the wine. Mm-hmm. So by virtue of that, we partake of that in him, mm-hmm. representing representing us being in Christ Jesus. That's right. One more thing, you know, just one more passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not sharing in the body of Christ? Body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, since all of us share the one bread. Now, when we get into the next chapter, which is the chapter that we always read when we do the Lord's Supper, in context, that's talking about division in the church, that there's factions and that mm-hmm. people, not only are there factions, but that the rich people can get there early and eat all the food and then there ain't nothing left for, for nobody else. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that And he tells us, y'all eat it how? Yeah, he, yeah. he is, Paul's very upset about mm-hmm. that because it's antithetical to what the supper is. Mm-hmm. Um, what we see in the supper, again, it's just like baptism. Baptism is the same water for everybody. At the supper, it's the same bread and cup for everybody. At the table, we all get Jesus without discrimination, without preference, and without prejudice. Everybody is given the whole Jesus. Mm-hmm. His body and blood shed for us. And again, believers disagree on what exactly that means and how that works. But there is no disagreement that's what we celebrate when we come together. God brings us, his family, to his table, and he tends to us. And no believer should be excluded from that table. Yeah. And you said you said mm-hmm. you said believer, and I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna make sure I nail this. Mm-hmm. There are certain environments that have what we call um, a complete open table. Right. Mm-hmm. Which means that anybody mm-hmm can partake of the Lord's table, given the fact that Christ died for all people. Mm -hmm. The problem with that, for me personally, Mm -hmm. has to do with family. Mm -hmm. That this table represents those of us Mm -hmm. who have given our lives Mm -hmm. to the cause, movement, Mm -hmm. and lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. To open that table up to someone who has not Mm-hmm. is to invite a stranger to a place where they have no reference point or understand what is being experienced. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. And by default, for me, notice mm-hmm. I keep saying, for me, it is disrespectful to the sacrifice of Christ right. to produce a family out of his own suffering. Right, and, and that gets at one of the disagreements that we do share. And I agree with you on that just because, I, I mean, and, and even people that hold to an open table, many of them would agree with this, that the sacrament does no good without faith. You know, it's only it, it only matters if it's united with the faith of the person who enjoys it. Um, but even then, again, not wanting this to be about our divisions, but about our unity. Even then, we at least on a very bare basic level agree um, that among those who do believe that Christ is giving himself That's freely right. to them. And so that means that within the family of God, within, among those of us who are believers, there's no, there's no place for me to put you down or exclude you because God has invited you to his table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to remember that when we come to the table, um, that this is God's. Mm-hmm. 
and he's invited all of us. It's not my place to exclude somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a powerful thing. You know, I think that uh, for all the issues that the church in our corner of the world has had, um, we could have avoided a lot of that if churches would have just invited everybody to the same table. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful statement. Yeah. I, um, you know, I talk about the whole idea of, of an open table. My context, historically yeah. for me, mm-hmm. when I say this table is open mm-hmm. for all who of any particular denominational perspective in the faith of Christianity, mm-hmm. you are welcome to this table. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going, I'm not haggling yeah, yeah. over the particulars mm-hmm. as long as the faith tradition from which you operate right. is Christian. Mm-hmm. You're welcome at mm-hmm. this table. Mm-hmm. And I'll let God deal with the other stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Because this is the table where we gather as a believing body to yep. celebrate this Christ. So, and, and I would, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So, Well, everybody, I hope you've been best by it. I hope you've had a great time hanging out with us today. There's a reason why I call it soul food is because we mean to minister to the soul of humanity. And I'm so grateful that you've taken out of your busy schedule to do so. I hope, I hope you've gotten something you can use, something that will strengthen and empower you to be more like him in your daily walk. So uh, I'm Dr. Alvin Summers hanging out with the one and only Eli Blaylock. I call him Dr. Blaylock because he's on his way. But you've been participating, hanging out in Soul Food. Uh, We are a part of the First Baptist Church Indian Trail family. And uh, just so glad that you are availing yourself to hang out with us. Uh, I hope to hear and see you again, if indeed you come to our place. God bless and keep you is my prayer. Be blessed.